Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest is my good friend, Canon Andrew White. My dear friend, Canon Andrew White, it gives me great joy to welcome you to the program. Yes, but you got something wrong. What's I'm that? not your friend, I'm your best friend. <laughs> you are definitely my most eccentric friend, and I've always yeah, exactly. loved you. And we were reminiscing before we started the interview that we've actually known each other for 36 years. I think you were a student at Cambridge University yeah. and I was speaking, and that was our first connection. It but was. since then, we've we've been friends, we've ministered together in the UK, in the Middle East, and around the world. But anyway, the program is about you. Now, where where are you sitting at the moment? You are where? Well, I am sitting in my study in England, in Lippo, in Hampshire, which I still think is the best study in the world. Whenever I'm here, it reminds me of every study I've had, whether it's been in Cambridge or London or Baghdad or Clapham or here. It's always had red wallpaper and lots of crosses on the wall. Yes, I know. 79 crosses. You've got 79 crosses, which you've collected from different countries that you've ministered. 79 on the wall. Oh. And the oldest cross is 1,670 years old. And where did you get that cross from? It's Byzantine. It was found in Palestine, an old Byzantium cross. And was that given to you as a gift? All of my crosses, apart from three, have been given to me. And my favourite ones are the Armenian ones and the Coptic ones, and my ancient ones. And they're favourite because they don't have Jesus on the cross. Yes. And in the Assyrian tradition, which I've really grown up in, you never have Jesus on the cross. Because he's alive. Because he's resurrected. Absolutely. And that's the heart of our faith. Now... You have done so many different things in your life and in your ministry. How would you describe who you are and what you do? Well, I think you can say it yourself. I'm a bit crazy. I'm very eccentric. And I'm a real believer in risk-taking. I always say to people, don't take care, take risks. And in the books I sign, I always sign them at the end, blessings and love, Andrew White, T-R, take risks. 
Well, you certainly have taken many, many risks um, over the years in your ministry, uh, not least being known as the vicar of Baghdad. How many years were you ministering in Baghdad? I was 19 years as vicar of Baghdad, heading up the church there. But I actually was in Iraq many years before I was heading up the church. In my early years, I used to always go from Baghdad to Jerusalem. And I kind of became famous for dealing with the good guys and the bad guys. And I still talk about people as being either good guys or bad guys. And I particularly specialised in doing bad guys' funerals. Now, I the, did the, everybody's. There was a pack of cards, Andrew, wasn't there? A pack of cards of the baddies. Um, yeah, and, and I knew how all many? Of them. You knew all of them. Yes. Now you, you also. I did. I did uh, the pack of cards including like the ace of spades was Saddam Hussein and his deputy was Tarek Aziz. And I looked after both of them and I, I did the funeral for Tarek Aziz and for Yasser Arafat. Amazing. You had some adventures, many, many. You wanted to go to visit Ezekiel's tomb. Tell us about that. Well, going to Ezekiel's tomb, it was one night when I was in Baghdad, and it was the night the war really began, and I could see this huge cloud over the Tigris River. And I prayed about it, and I said, what is it? And the Lord said, read Ezekiel and you'll know. And it was really like the experience of Ezekiel by the Al-Kifl River. And I went to go and try and find Ezekiel's tomb and his shrine. And I asked the um, retired chief of flight for Saddam Hussein, he didn't know. So in the end, I looked up on Google and I found that it was in Babylon in a place called El Kifl of the Cheskel. And I went there and I saw all these wonderful spinning wheels and incredible angels and a real presence of the glory of God. And that was my first mega glory experience. And since then, so much of my life has been living in the glory. And I can think about even bizarre things I've done recently. I recently was in Australia and the, a lady from the Faroe Islands she said to me, I want to give you money to help the Aborigines. And it was really bizarre because 
this lady said, here we are in the Arctic at the very top of the world, and you are going to the Aborigines at the very bottom of the world. And the Arctic is saying, we want to help the Aborigines. And we had an incredible relationship with the people down under. And the amazing thing is that so much of my life have been spent in war zones in the Middle East. But now there aren't so many war zones. And so many of our Iraqi people have escaped. And where have they gone to? Sydney and Melbourne in Australia. And amazing. so I had the most amazing time with my people in Sydney, but they were all Iraqis. Amazing. I looked around, they did a dinner for me in Sydney, and I looked around the room, and there were eight people there who were couples that I'd married. There were 16 children that I had christened, and there were 36 young people that I had done the first communion for, and it was amazing. Uh, how beautiful. Let me pick up. You, you said when you went into Ezekiel's tomb, you saw angels. Have you Mega seen... Mega angels. Was that the first time you had seen angels? Yes, it was. And, and the angels was... never left me. I've never seen angels like I've seen in Iraq. How, how many angels did you see? What did you see? Did they speak to you? No, angels tend to be very silent. And I can remember having one of our youth meetings one night, and there was a big appearance of Jesus in the clouds, and there were so many angels, and I said to Daoud, one of my little boys, I said, Daoud, take me a picture of the angels. And he said, Daddy, I can't. There are too many angels. Well, I said, well, take a picture of them. And he did. And in my book, Faith Under Fire, are the pictures of the angels. That's amazing. Now, obviously, we do know that there are angels. And do you think for you at that time, there was a reason why God allowed you to see them? I do, because I think the angels, people used to say this to me, the soldiers who looked after me, first American soldiers and then Iraqis, they said, all these angels which are around us all the time, they're really your PSDs, your personal security detail. They're the people who really kept me out of trouble. I've been blown up and shot at and kidnapped and all sorts of things. But the angels always did a great job. Now, the, the, there they, was they were never on their own. There were always lots of them, and they were always very big. There was an, a, an occasion when you were in a car 
driving in the car, I think sort of in a desert area, and the car broke down yeah. and wouldn't start, and then something happened. Tell us about that. Yeah, what happened was it was, and that was coming back from Ezekiel's tomb. And the whole of the traffic was getting very dangerously congested. And our car suddenly broke down and wouldn't move. And that was the act of God, because if we had have moved, we would have had a super explosion, because an oil tanker blew up just in front of us, but we weren't there because we couldn't reach it. And then after it blew up, your car started. Then it started perfectly. And we got all the way back to Baghdad. Would you say that that was a miracle? I'd say that was definitely, definitely, definitely a mighty miracle of God. He often does the most terrible things to protect our life. And whenever these awful things happened, I knew it was God saving my life. Yeah. The Lord has definitely uh, preserved you. You worked for decades tirelessly uh, in the Middle East. Um, what kind of stories or memories come up in your mind as you think of those decades in the Middle East, Andrew? Is there a story well, or two? I started in Israel because I started, first of all, by studying and learning Judaism. And what came up there was an incredible ability to work with the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, the Hasidic Jews, and I could have never experienced the glory of God like I did with my rabbis. One day, my, my rabbinic teacher, Rabbi Shimon, said to me, Andrew, I want you to see the real glory. He said, but I'm taking you not there to the yeshiva, I want you to go and see a woman and a Christian woman. I said, Rabbi, you never go and see women, let alone Christian women. And that was when he introduced me to the great Ruth Ward Heflin, who was one of the real, real glory saints of Jerusalem. And she was the one who anointed me and said, Andrew, from today, you are called to make peace in the Middle East. And it was only when I was in Baghdad, 23 years later, that I realized that my calling wasn't just to Israel. It was to all the Middle East. So you, you've been a peacemaker for decades. And that's really, we've been called to be peacemakers. 
you have, and it's the most wonderful job in the world. Like your call to be an evangelist and share the gospel, I have been called to bring peace to broken people and try and heal broken pieces and to restore lives and people. And it's wonderful. It is wonderful, Andrew. And I, I've been with you at various places around the world and we have seen that happen. Now, Andrew, just to update us on your health situation, how, how are you health-wise? Well, in reality, my health is getting worse, but I feel the best I've ever felt. And, um, you know, I have to still have a lot of things done for me, and I have carers and nurses, and I have my um, urinary system doesn't work like it used to work. I've got a tube going into my tummy and into my bladder, but I am feeling so good. You've also written on a number of different topics. What are you writing about at the moment? My 31st and my 32nd books. I know it's nowhere near as many as you have done. But my mum are very thin, Andrew. Tell me what you're writing about at the moment. From the suffering zone to the glory zone. But it was about a little girl who I knew who was called Emily Yescu. And Emily had a terrible cerebral illness. And she was literally dying all the years I knew her. And then eventually she did die. Her father was one of the ambassadors in Iraq. But her story was incredible. And I went to, she lived in Toronto, even though he was a US diplomat. They lived in Toronto. We had a link because we were both involved in Wheaton College, the alumni of Billy Graham. And so we were all Wheaton people. And in Baghdad, believe it or not, we had a very big Wheaton group. The, what, from the soldiers? Yes. I can remember doing um, a baptismal service one day at Saddam Hussein's swimming pool. We turned it into a baptistry. And all of the choir that day were all in the military and they were all Wheaton alumni serving in the OTC at Wheaton, the Officers Training Corps. And we loved each other and incredible things happened there. So go on, back to what you're focusing your writing at the moment. So my writing at the moment is really 
demonstrating the stories of so much of my life, how I have moved from living in intense suffering, intense suffering myself, but to intense glory. And so I'm now really one of the glory boys. And all the time I think about the glory. My, my favourite book, Andrew, is this book. Uh, because I, I love just the story of your own faith and your journey and what you've seen and what God has revealed to you. Um, you've experienced trauma, suffering, you've seen injustice, but you, you persevere and you are faithful and you trust in the providence of God. What would you say to encourage all of our viewers and listeners in their journey of faith is there a scripture that comes to mind? Is there, what would you say to us to encourage us to keep running the race? Well, two things. The suffering of this present world is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to come. And so I know I have lived in immense suffering. I've been through immense suffering. But the glory is incredible. The glory of God is what keeps me going. And I'm so happy now. You know, now it's difficult because I'm stuck in the country. My car has just been stolen. I can't get around. But even here, just be still. Be still and know that I am still God and I am still working through you. And even though you're not going around the world doing these wonderful, wacky, extravagant sermons, God is still working here and even on this program now. I know. Well, I just, you know... I'm so inspired, Andrew, by your own um, journey of faith. I just wanted to, how would you, you've mentioned it several times, but when you say the glory, what do you mean? I mean, what I see by glory is heaven opening up and coming to earth and earth going to heaven. It's really a heavenly exchange between us on this earth and what the Lord is enjoying in heaven. So I really see glory as heaven coming to earth and earth going to heaven. And I love it. And so much of my life, is now focused around living in the glory of the Lord and knowing his presence. One of the things I think, when I think of you, Andrew, um, is, is that verse where it 
says of King David that he was a man after God's own heart. In all the years that I've and in all the years I've known you, you've you've always been someone like that, a man after God's own heart. And uh, you've always pursued the presence of God. And um, could I ask you, Andrew, to, to pray for us, the viewers and the listeners, and pray that we would encounter more of his presence and his glory? Would you do that? As normal, I always pray the blessing in Aramaic, the language of Jesus, but I know a little bit of English. So, Lord, we pray that right now everybody hearing this program will see themselves as a means of being a channel for the glory of God. God to us, us to him. And we pray the blessing of God in Jesus' own language of Aramaic. We say, Shimid Baba, Brona, Broka, Kusha, Ha Alaha. Amen and Amen. Amen. So we always say, the Lord is one. We say the blessing of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but at the end of it, we say one God. Andrew, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you for sharing a little bit more of your story. May the Lord uh, preserve you and keep you and continue to use you. Thank you, my dear friend, for joining Until us. Until we meet again, I don't know where we'll go together next. Well, But I'm sure it'll be good. Always is. Thank you, Andrew. God bless you. Isn't my friend Canon Andrew White an inspiration? He really is. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again. If you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Life is full of big questions. In his brand new book, Will I Be Fat in Heaven? and Other Curious Questions, J. John answers 38 questions that we ask about God, the Bible, the world, and everything in between. How can God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit be one? Why do we believe the Bible is true? Will we recognize family and friends in heaven? And life's ultimate question, does God care about me? Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com.